0: It's finally here. We've been talking about it. We had a couple of pop-up podcasts over the summer. And last week, it was all about the previews before finally we played some games. And what a weekend it was in the Ontario Hockey League. My name is Mike Farwell. That guy over there is Dan Mahar. You'll find him on Twitter, at his name, Dan Mahar. I'm on Twitter, at Farwell underscore OHL. Before we get into talking about the games that were, Dan, Let me just start with this speaking of talking and that is what the league got fans doing last week with its first ever power rankings. And I can tell you when I was out this weekend through the rink in Kitchener and then down to the U S this was the talk around the rink. What's with these power rankings? Who came up with these power rankings? Frankly, I don't care. As the OHL tells you, it's accredited media that uh, makes the votes. But the point is, it's got people talking. I don't care what the power rankings say. You can put London 1 through 16 if you want to. It's got people talking and that's never a bad thing.
1: No, and I I think that's the intent, right? That's the intent. Get people talking about your league and uh, what's the, the saying? No, no press is bad press or no publicity is bad publicity. I think that's the vein we're thinking here. It's not a huge risk to put them out and it gets people talking.
0: I also know or a fact, then that in at least one, I suspect maybe more, but in at least one dressing room, the power rankings were posted for inspiration. (laughs) So I I have
1: a feeling I know what dressing room you're talking about, and I think there's probably three or four that it was posted. (laughs)
0: I'll bet you. I'll bet you. Okay, uh, let's get into uh, the week, really, that it was leading into this weekend. And we had uh, a couple of trades let's start with what the sudbury wolves went and did nick deangelis and trevor odell from the windsor spitfires in exchange for connor walton two seconds a third a sixth and a conditional 15th to me value for both sides here
1: yeah it's a a good trade. what i like about mike is we talk about how the price is for overagers and older players tend to, to get higher as the season goes on. And it's never made a ton of sense to me. I think, well, the longer you're going to get the player for, if you trade for him in August, early September, it seems to be the less you pay for him. So I, I felt like this deal was a little more reasonable both ways, where the price was steepish, I would say, uh, for Sudbury. But at the same time, it made some sense. They got two pretty good players, obviously wanted to shore up their D with, with this move, uh, and shipped out 5 pieces, which is kind of fair, I think. So, so yeah, I think both sides may have made it okay in this deal.
0: Do you suggest this idea of paying less when you buy early because of the next deal we're about to talk about? Because what a song that one was for the, one of the teams involved.
1: Yeah, you know, Mike, it's another thing that doesn't make sense to me is, is so yes, the fact that these prices are so cheap at this time of year, when you're going to get longer service time of the player acquiring, and secondly, the goalie market, the goalie market. So is it me, or are goalies criminally undervalued in the, in the, in the league, it seems like every year, some goalies go for relatively fair prices. I think we were talking offline. You pointed out that Marco Constantini last year went for, for a reasonable price. We we've seen a few goalies go for that second and fifth second and sixth type price. And these are starting goalies. These are 19 and 20 year old starting goalies who have a track record of blossoming at that age and having phenomenal years. So what a critical position. It's probably the most important position on your team to shore up. So to for what London gave up to get Michael Simpson, you, you, you surely can't complain if you're a Knights fan.
0: Yeah. In this case, it's an OHL championship goalie, as was Marco Costantini in fairness. But I think your point's well taken on undervaluing these assets. When the times that they're on your team though we always talk about how important the position is so why they go for so much less on the trade market seemingly is a bit of a mystery but let's let's focus for a minute longer on what the wolves did and the windsor spitfires did and leave it to bill bowler to extract that kind of like almost a trade deadline-esque value out of an early season deal Never easy to give up a veteran like DeAngelis. Not easy for him to make the move. I mean, he was actually getting ready to get on the bus to go to Sarnia for opening night with the Spits when he got the call that Bowler wanted to see him, and he kind of put two and two together, and the next thing you know, he's on his way to Sudbury. The good thing, I guess, for DeAngelis is the Wolves expect to be a contending team this year, and and some are even picking them to win the Eastern Conference. So... There's that aspect of it. But I I think Bill Bowler does really well for himself here. It certainly makes it appear as though they're not waving a white towel per se. They needed to refill the draft cupboard after taking a couple of seasons where they made runs. And then they also get a player two years younger than DeAngelis. And maybe just maybe here's my wild theory for you on this episode of the OHL podcast. Maybe maybe, Bill Bowler is looking for an Alex Christopoulos-type return from Connor Walton, because Connor Walton's twin brother, Kieran, also plays for Sudbury. So they part the twins when Alex and Paul Christopoulos were separated, and Alex Christopoulos goes on a tear with the Windsor Spitfires. He scored 49 goals last year. He had 13 total (laughs) <laughs> with the North Bay Battalion. I'm just going to throw that out there. I think it's an interesting little part of this that uh, the Spitfires end up with one half of a twin again. But nonetheless, they get a they get a warm body who can play the game and five draft picks. A pretty good deal.
1: Yeah, and just a quick aside on the Christopolis twins. Uh, watching them play for the Don Mills Flyers back in their draft, Joe HL draft year, I thought both had star in this league written all over them. And it may have taken for whatever... The reason was in North Bay took Alex a little bit longer to arrive, but boy, did he ever arrive. And that, that kind of makes sense in the con- or in the context of what we're talking about, these trades, 19 and 20 year old players, uh, that's that year, that age, that experience, that bulk on your frame, all those things tend to lead to, to really good seasons. We see players come out of nowhere at, at 19 and 20 in the league and just blossom, which is why, you would think the prices might be a little higher for some of these kids that are moving at that age, especially if you do your homework and you see a kid that's got a lot of potential. When you talk about DeAngelis, there's a guy that was stung a little bit by injuries last year, probably a little frustrated in and out of the lineup at times, but if he stays healthy, what a a great piece that is going to be for the wolves back end.
0: The other thing I'll add to all of this is just how much I like the deals happening now, or frankly, any time away from the trade deadline. Look, you've, got more service out of the player. But the other piece of it is, like, you remember the major sports networks, Dan, as well as I do, and they still do it. But haven't trade deadline shows really kind of flamed out recently? And I think the networks stubbornly cling to them, and that's fine. But maybe we're all just kind of getting away from this idea that there has to be some arbitrary date. Okay, January the 10th, and so you better start making your moves on the 8th and the 9th. Ah, I I like it better this way, quite frankly. Show me that, you know, the Sudbury Wolves, again, for example, know that they've got a shot in an Eastern Conference that you and I previewed last week and figure, hey, this is a year that fits for us. We look around the conference. So not only are we already getting some preseason, early season love, now we're going to add to it. In other words, come and get us, the rest of you, in the Eastern Conference. The other nine teams have been served. Notice. I like that. So... Credit to the Sudbury Wolves for making this move now. And let's just move away. Like, I I would not be bothered in the least if we come out of Christmas and we're not talking about massive deals being made in the 10 or so days afterwards.
1: Yeah, I, you know, it makes tons of sense to me to kind of frame your team now. You get all that extra time to build chemistry, get a rapport in the dressing room, the whole bit, and then you have a full season's worth of service. And you've heard a few GMs recently acknowledge that, say they made the trades early because they wanted that extra service time. It just made sense to them. I think there's probably some other dynamics at play. Some teams are waiting a few months to see whether they're buyers or sellers. Things change as the season goes on kids who may not want to move. And there is some loyalty here. There are, there are some dy- dynamics where a team doesn't necessarily want to move a kid. Cause he's been a part of that organization since his draft year. They know the families, the billets, et cetera. So they don't really want to move him. But as the season progresses and the kid says, you know, I'm not going to spend a whole year there. I might just spend a couple months there and we're going for a championship. This is going to be a great thing on my resume. So sometimes the mindset changes as you get towards January. And that could be the reason why these, some of these trades happen later, but yeah, it just makes a whole lot of sense to me to to buy earlier if you can.
0: The other trade, of course, to talk about is the one we've already touched on Michael Simpson from Peterborough to London. So not only is it an OHL championship goaltender, Trading teams, but it's the goaltender who beat the London Knights last year in that OHL championship that now becomes a member of the London Knights. I want to go to an email that Charlie sent us: OHLPodcast at rogers.com. That's the email address. OHLPodcast at rogers.com. Send us an email anytime, and I have to I have to own up on this one, Charlie. Good afternoon, gentlemen. I know it's all fun and games. Predictions in brackets, but it's nice at the same time to actually see what we can forecast for the season. Do you think if you had an extra day to evaluate the Simpson-Bowen trade that you would seed London higher and, well, you can't really put the Peets lower? I saw this as a massive upgrade in goal for London as I've watched Simpson many times against my team, the Kingston Frontenacs. I was not shocked by his play carrying his team to a championship, and I could see him doing it again in London. He is that good. What do you think? Thanks, Charlie, Kingston Frontenac's, uh fan. I don't know what the number 32 is. Maybe he's 32 in their uh, fan club. Either way, Charlie, thanks for the email. Like your team in Kingston this season, by the way. What I have to own up here is I told Dan this last week. Don't worry. We'll record our previews on the same day. What's going to happen? It's the preseason. So we had actually already recorded prior to the trigger on the deal being pulled that's on me and we are now right back on track as topical as can be as you're listening to this it was recorded literally hours before you're getting the chance to listen so I just wanted to be clear about that and that's why we didn't talk about it last week and I want to own that for you I will also say at least for me Dan it wouldn't have changed my mind I might be thinking of reevaluating Peterborough now that they're 2-0 and but we'll get to <laughs> we'll get to that later. I still think this is Saginaw's conference to win season to like, it's all in Saginaw for obvious reasons, despite their one in one start. So I wouldn't have seated London ahead of Saginaw personally, but there's no question that the addition of Michael Simpson is a huge addition for the London Ice Hockey Club.
1: Yeah. And Charlie, great question. And, and, you know, I think that Similar to lead to Maika, I wouldn't have changed my Peterborough prediction based on this because I I think Peterborough has a much better team than ninth place on paper. My whole prediction for them was predicated on the fact they were going to move through these bodies, Simpson being the first to go. So I kind of foresaw that coming. So that, that prediction was based on this trade coming down. Now on the London side, admittedly, I'm going to blame myself here. Probably, yeah, I would say, you know, London, I like London a lot now. Maybe even would have shaded them ahead of Owen Sound, but I'm going to put the blame on myself because I predicted this trade was going to happen. I predicted Simpson was going to London. So I, with that knowledge in my head, I probably could have uh, baked that into my predictions, but it's a fair question. And I think, yeah, I would not change my peer Peterborough prediction based on that might give London a, a slight edge on Owen Sound right now, based on this trade.
0: I was pumping Will Morris tires on the podcast last week. He had some time in the playoffs. He had a good, Preseason and then, oh yeah, we're just gonna get the OHL championship goaltender. We're gonna get them for the entire season for a third rounder and the goalie we no longer need in Bowen. So anyway, uh I, I'm still standing by my initial prediction. I think look, London's back end is terrific. And now Simpson, I it's gonna be tough to score goals against the Knights this year, and we know how disciplined a style they play, but I guess maybe I'm just being stubborn. They got their run to the OHL championship last year. I'm confident when I say Saginaw is on a mission this year to go in as hosts uh, through the front door, et cetera. They don't want to back in like the Toronto Blue Jays, for example. So I'm sticking with Saginaw mostly for those reasons, but it is going to be a dog fight and it's going to be so much fun for the fans to take in. Thanks again, Charlie. The email, at com from the email to a comment from Ted on our YouTube channel. And Ted was wondering about the goaltending in Saginaw, this team that I still insist will win the West this year. But it's an astute observation from Ted, who talks about the tandem of Andrew Oak and Brett Fullerton with the Spirit, who have less than 100 games experience between them, and precisely none of it in the playoffs, Dansky.
1: Yeah, it was a great, great comment from Ted. And I love hearing from the fan bases themselves. They see these players the most. And I think from afar, it's easy for us to look back. I think if we were going to identify a potential vulnerability in that Saginaw roster this year, it might be the goaltending because it was unproven at that level, at that championship level. And the hope, obviously, when you have a tandem like that is one of Oak or Fullerton really steps up. It, It takes the bull by the horns and takes the number one role. I don't know how long Saginaw is going to give it. Uh, obviously, it's way too early to, to make any calls on that regard, but I, I bet you they're getting pretty antsy by November if if those two are not, not performing up to Michael Simpson's standards because that's who they have to match. So I think there will be a bit of a goalie market opening up. I think there are going to be some goalies in this league potentially available, and Saginaw probably has their eye on a few. But boy, uh, they'd look a lot different had they landed Michael Simpson.
0: I'm just going to throw these names out from the top of my head because I could have I guess spent more time looking this up but I will say that to Ted's point about the concern with the Saginaw goaltenders and my insistence that Saginaw is still on a mission this year uh, not every championship goaltender is a Dustin Tokarski there are a couple in the last little while in the Ontario Hockey League named Andrew Engelage and Scott Dickey who won Memorial Cups for their team so look The importance of the position may have changed. It may be even more magnified than ever. I'm just of the mind that if you put a good enough team in front of them, you can get by with good goaltending as opposed to great goaltending. And I I think Andrew Oak is a good goaltender, but your concern is noted. And look, we also know that Dave Drinkle in Saginaw is not going to be sitting idly by this season if you want to go in through the front door you want to make uh, your roster as bulletproof as possible and he's got the assets to do that certainly the draft picks to do that
1: yeah and it's a day and age of analytics too right mike so they all have data now on goals saved above exp- above average uh, expected goals for and against so they can track that data over time and say you know our guys are are losing this matchup consistently or our guys are fine the old adage for coaches used to be, just stop the ones you should stop. And as long as you're stopping the ones you should stop, and you mentioned, you mentioned uh, Englage and Dickey, that's kind of what they did. Stop the ones you should stop. You're not costing your team. Let them do the rest of the work. So that philosophy still kind of takes root here too. But with the, with the data and analytics they have, I think there's going to be some... Feathers ruffled if their goalies are not up to snuff. Like we said, comparing to Michael Simpson, some of the other teams they're gonna be challenging. So they'll have that data, and by November, I think they're gonna make some calls.
0: All right, it's early, but we have some returns from the Ontario Hockey League. We have regular season games to talk about. And of course, we're back for another season, which means our prospect of the week feature is back. Dan says we're gonna have the same guy. I'll bet you a hundred bucks right now we won't have the same guy but that's i I did this on purpose if we have the same guy now i will gladly give a hundred bucks to every listener so there you go (laughs) wait did i just put that on the record uh (laughs) we continue on the ohl podcast All right, Dan, so the let's start because I already alluded to them earlier. Uh, the Peterborough peets just like everybody predicted and we both had them missing the playoffs 2-0 and to start the season. Everything's fine in the lift lock city, I suppose.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, not not surprising at all. I mean, that's like like we referenced in our prediction pod. It is a good team. It's a very good it's a team. I, I look at them almost analogous to Windsor where they have a good core, a lot of talent still there. These teams could be a lot better if they chose to be, and obviously I'm not talking about tanking or choosing to be bad, but they both have to restock those pick cupboards. They know that it's going to be an organizational decision. That's why you saw DeAngelo Snowdell move. That's why you saw Michael Simpson move. So I think Peterborough will make those moves as the season goes on, knowing they need to restock that cupboard. But this is a good team, Mike. This is a, a team with a lot of championship players still on that roster And I expect they're going to compete pretty hard. I I had a lot of trouble predicting them to come ninth in that conference, just because I think there's just a lot there and there's still going to be a fair bit there after the trades are made.
0: Speaking of competing hard again, it's very early, but the other team I had missing the playoffs in the East is the Niagara ice dogs. And Jim commented on our YouTube channel that the ice dogs will be the surprise team of the season. I'll say as surprising as it might be that the Peets start 2 and 0 i was equally equally surprised pardon me that i mean obviously the ice dogs start 0 and 2 but competitive the knights beat them 2-1 and 5-2 look you're not going to lose 11-3 every night but it was against the london knights and particularly in that opener 2 to 1 the ice dogs at one point held the one nothing lead so i was look i know they're well coached ryan koubar there's no disputing his acumen as a head coach, maybe these ice dogs have a little more bite this year than certainly I thought coming in. Again, I say all of this knowing it's one weekend and two games in the books for Niagara.
1: Yeah. And you know what? Okay. Let's start with this. They should be competitive. They've had a a number of down years and in an OHL cycle, you should be coming into your own a bit here. So it's not a year they should be missing the playoffs. I think, the issue is they've had so many troubles over the last couple of years that it's hard for anyone to buy in until they see proof on the ice. So it's an encouraging sign that they were so competitive in those games against the Knights. I believe at one point, they're out shooting one in 14 to two. So when you're doing that, you're coming out of the gates firing. You've got some, some will to compete. And that's a great sign for them and their fans. I, I love the top line. I think Kevin, he's going to be a, a terrific player. But I think what we're looking for is depth scoring in Niagara. And we're looking for a little consistency on effort as well, because they went through those swoons and you just can't have them if you want to be a contending team. So I, I'm not ready to give up on Niagara yet, obviously, uh, but we're going to see, we're going to know a lot more by December, obviously with that team.
0: Speaking of coming out of the gates firing, how about those Sue St. Marie Greyhounds 11, three in their opener and then coming from behind down 4-1 and 5-3 in the third en route to a 7-5 win, both of them coming on home ice, but that's 18 goals in two games, both of them victories. And here's a fun note that I saw. That 11-goal outburst for the opener for the Sioux Greyhounds is the third time they have done that in their franchise history on opening night. They did it in 1993. 2013, I don't know what happened in 03, and now again in 2023. All I'm saying is teams, look ahead to the 2033 schedule and don't take the game against Sault Ste. Marie. You never know. Anyway, but uh, impressive stuff for the Hounds on opening weekend.
1: Yeah, well, and we knew the Hounds are they are always a tough out at home, and that very impressive debut, that 11-3 win, maybe a bit of a grain of salt because the Flint Firebirds went home the next night and lost 8 nothing. so obviously they're in a little bit of disarray early in the season. But yeah, you talk about the second game with the comeback and the firepower that Sue has, which is great to see because if there was one thing that the Sue lacked of late, it was firepower. They weren't putting the puck in the net. So to see them pop that many goals in the first two games has to be an encouraging sign for the fans. And and just to throw back to the, what we talked about earlier about players kind of coming into their own as they age in this league, how about Owen Allard? I mean, there's a, a player that hadn't put up a, a lot of numbers yet in his, in his OHL career, had a terrific preseason was great in the preseason this year. And and you, you're asking yourself, was it just a preseason thing? Is this fleeting? Well, early returns are, it's not fleeting. This looks like a player for them.
0: I wanted to mention Owen Allard as well, because I think based on those numbers you talk about, Dan, that he might have been overlooked in many analyses of how the Greyhounds would do this year. I think what sometimes we forget only 14 games last season for Allard, because he got injured. So he's probably himself. Like you sit out for that much time, you're chomping at the bit to be back in there. So yes, I think he might be a bit of a dark horse or at least seen that way based on previous performance, but don't forget he missed almost the entire season last year. So nice to see him bouncing back the way that he did. Here's a really unfortunate part for the Sioux, because obviously I was broadcasting a game on Friday, but I saw the final result, 11 goals for the Sioux Greyhounds. I thought, Oh, I wonder how much my local boy, local to us here in the region, Brady Martin picked up in terms of points. None. I thought, what? come on. He had a decent preseason, too. I know he's not going to get, you know, as much opportunity now that the regular season's here. But even worse is, unfortunately, a lower body injury for Brady Martin. And it's listed as weak week and when you hear that you cringe just a little bit i wish this kid the speediest of speedy recovers and i hope it's not too bad but week to week is not a great prognosis
1: no i i just hate seeing any injuries across the board but a young player like this i'm not worried about the amount of time amount of runway ahead of him in his career he's going to be a terrific player in this league for a lot of years plenty of time for him to acclimate and, and show off but at the same time I don't want to see any structural damage to a kid like that's knee, anything he has to overcome in his his rookie season. And then just for the fans, too, that we're looking forward to seeing him play. I mean, it's the rugs pulled out from under their feet pretty quickly in the season. So hopefully week to week is on the the lower end in terms of number of weeks. And it's just something that he can rehab from in a matter of a month or, or six weeks or something and come back. But just hate seeing any kind of injuries, especially to talent like that.
0: Yeah, it's a a loss for all of us as fans of the game. So we'll hope that he's back in sooner rather than later. And just an unfortunate uh, sidebar or footnote to what was a really good weekend for the Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds. You touched on it briefly. I think it maybe can have a little bit more treatment here. And again, it's two games. It's one weekend. By the way, Colson Petrie and Gavin Hayes are still away at NHL camps. But my, oh my... Oh my, oh my, did the Flint Firebirds have a rough weekend. 11-3 losers in Sault Ste. Marie. Go back home for your opener and put up a donut in an 8-0 loss to the Kitchener Rangers. That is not the way you want to start a season, <laughs> says Captain Obvious.
1: Yeah, it is ugly. It is ugly. There's no other word for it. And like you said, there's all there's all kinds of things. No no need to panic just yet. Though, Petrie and Hayes are two pretty important players for that team. We know day and net, they're going to get better goaltending than they got this weekend. There's all kinds of factors that, you know, just chill out a little, don't panic. But when when you drop an 8 nothing decision to a team projected to be out of the playoffs for your home opener on the heels of an 8-goal loss, that's a little ugly. So I imagine that there's been some skating at practice this week, Mike.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what kind of skating? I get you. I get you. And look, you've still got players like Giroux. You've still got players like Ethan Hay. You've got Caden Petrie. You've got Tristan Bertucci. You had those NHL prospects back into the lineup, and all of a sudden, things look a whole lot different. And let's not overlook Jeremy Martin, uh, first rounder for Flint this year, nice-looking young prospect. He's already got his first in the Ontario Hockey League. He got one in that uh, game, in that 11-3 loss to Sault Ste. Marie. So there's a positive sign as well. It's the first weekend Things will definitely get better. Anything else jump out at you from our first weekend of action in the league, Dan?
1: Uh, well, there was a few things. I mean, I don't think anything shocking, but I I think that uh, the Kingston Frontenacs had a little bit of excitement. I think there's 24 goals in their three games, and they I mean that that's entertainment, right? That's junior hockey. That's why people go. So uh, that's a team that I think is going to score goals. And the question mark for Kingston is always. year uh kind of keep pucks out of the net uh early returns are eh, not not really (laughs) but they're also putting pucks in the net and that's what fans pay to see so it'll be interesting to watch that as it develops but that's one thing that kind of popped out to me just the goals for and against for, for that team early on
0: yeah it's a little bit of a run and gun league from time to time and that is one of the things that makes it exciting i was talking to somebody about that in flint on saturday and i said that's what makes this league so much fun is the mistakes get made here far more often than they get made at the pro level. And that's what makes it so entertaining because you see some, some sloppier things from time to time, and you never know what's going to happen and no lead is safe and all of these other things. I could keep spitting cliches, but I got a whole season to do that. Okay. Uh, our prospects of the week. And I I want to give, I want to give a little bit of credit here to uh, a fan of the kitchen arrangers. I just happened to see this, on Twitter, but I, I kind of liked it as we get into our prospects, because one of them might be the name I'm about to uh, to reveal here, but Sam Dickinson was recognized, the London Knights defenseman, as the performer of the night on Saturday in the Ontario Hockey League. And this particular Rangers fan, uh, I guess, didn't take too kindly to that. He said, yeah, Hunter Brustevich and Adrian Miseljevic each had four-point nights for the Kitchener Rangers, but you do you, OHL hockey, and you go recognize that London night. I I love how much the fans love to hate London, or maybe I just love how much they hate London and they see this perceived bias. But I I will say, it it is a little bit of a snub, isn't it? Particularly for a guy, look, Hunter Verstevich is already drafted to the National Hockey League, and he's going to have a real chance with the Vancouver Canucks. Adrian Misaljevic, you want to talk about somebody unheralded. And I know I'm getting into the weeds here of the team I cover most closely, but that kid also had a crossbar on Saturday night. So that's how close he was to the hat trick. Two goals, two assists, and okay, the defenseman who was one and two for the London Knights can be the uh, performer of the night. Look, Sam Dickinson's a great player; he's also destined for great things. But if I, I can see where this Ranger fan was coming from, I'll just put it that way.
1: Yeah, there were a few performances on the weekend for sure. I'm, I I think Jack Beck might might have had a say. There were a few, there were there were a few players that put up some decent numbers. So yeah, I think fans aren't thrilled always to see green pop up on the board when that's the case.
0: All right. Let's, um Let's let's get into our uh, prospects of the week. So this is the way we're going to end every episode. We'll take a look at an NHL draft eligible player that we think had the best week with his Ontario hockey league club. I, I think we're going to hear a lot of repetition on this through the year, Dan, but I guess we'll see how it goes. Who do you have for your first prospect of the week?
1: All right. Well, Mike, my first one, I'm going with a player who has a 2005 birthday, a late birthday though. He's getting a bit of a victory lap before his NHL draft eligibility. And that's a Mississauga steelhead. I'm going with Luke Misa, the other Misa, the one who's not in the limelight as much as, as, as brother Michael, but uh, first round pick in his own right in the OHL. And, again another kid had a great preseason uh putting up multi-point games I believe in every everyone he dressed and then five points in his first couple games for the Steelheads this year both wins two and zero for the Mississauga Steelheads uh a, a player that's I think going to be consistently on that score sheet all year playing second fiddle sometimes on the on the name game to a couple big names in that in that Mississauga lineup as well but uh Luke Mesa leading the way early for Mississauga, Mike, and I think he's my my first prospect of the week.
0: Yeah, uh, an excellent choice and an excellent start to the season for the kid who is still going to be NHL draft eligible before his brother, right? Because Michael's going to go through the league this year and then one more as that exceptional player before he's even draft eligible. Uh, it it would have been uh, an easy pick to make for sure. I think Sam Dickinson obviously is worthy of consideration here, but I'm going off paper a little bit mostly with the intention of being a little bit different. We've had two or three games to look at these guys. I mean, honestly, but I'm going to take Liam Green tree this time around. And the reason I'm taking them, it's not just the three points in two losses, but I think that speaks to something, right? When you're having a rough start and the teams, not especially the first game Windsor lost eight to two for crying out loud. Uh, And and you've still got a guy and one of green trees goals came late in that eight two loss he had both of them for uh the spits in that one no he had one in each game and plus the assist anyway i went with green tree because the goals when he scored them came early he scored 41 seconds into game one and he scored three minutes and 10 seconds into game number two both losses mind you but if you're coming prepared you're my kind of prospect so i'm giving liam green tree my nod as a prospect of the week i wanted to be different today dan what can i say
1: I don't know how different you are, Mike, because would you believe me if I told you he was my
0: runner-up? Come on.
1: So, uh, seriously. So, you know, Liam Greentree last year, first time I got a look at him, I had to check the program twice. Say This kid's 16. I I thought this was an 18 or 19-year-old that had just flown under the radar for a couple of years because he plays that way. Big kid, big game, heavy shot, forecheck. Uh, really stood out to me last year. And to see that he is even NHL draft eligible till after this season was just crazy. So, yeah, I'm, I'm on board with that pick, Mike.
0: I'll uh, I'll just add, since you mentioned that, Sam Dickinson was my runner-up. You can hate on him all you want if you're a Rangers fan or a fan of any other team in this league. But, I mean, this guy is is something special. He's going to be a big part of this night's season, and uh, he's got a long hockey career, <laughs> career ahead of him for sure. Yeah, I
1: think uh, Dickinson doesn't necessarily need our booster uh, boosterism too much this year. I think he's going to have plenty of press on his own right.
0: Speaking of long hockey careers, our guest, as we get back into the regular season mode of the OHL podcast, so on Friday, you're going to get to hear a feature interview with a former OHLer, a 16-year pro career during which he played for, are you ready, 21 different teams. Can we just call this guy Suitcase? We probably can. He was drafted into the OHL by what essentially amounted to his hometown team, but he didn't want to play there. He would ultimately, but he didn't really want to. And perhaps best of all, he is part of an answer to one of the, I think, neatest trivia questions in National Hockey League history, National Hockey League draft history. He was a first rounder to the Toronto Maple Leafs, and I'll just leave the rest there. You're going to have to listen on Friday for our featured guest, so... Is that enough to uh, whet your appetite, Dan?
1: <laughs> it is, and I'm not even going to give you the Toronto Maple Leafs first round joke. So
0: I will. Wow, at that. <laughs> well, you're you're in a good mood to start the season. We'll see how long this lasts. <laughs> He's Dan Mahar on Twitter at dan mahar. My name is Mike Farwell on Twitter at farwell underscore ohl send us an email anytime ohlpodcast at rogers.com please give us a like a review subscribe to this podcast and tell a friend about it because we're back for another season and we're glad to have you with us your next episode of the ohl podcast comes out friday